Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Chris Geis, and this is 15 Minutes of Motorcycles. Don't be alarmed if you're expecting the So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle podcast. You've actually come to the right place, but I'm trying something new here. On occasion, I don't have enough time during the week to put together a full interview show or a longer formatted episode, but I still want to make sure that I stay connected with you, my listener, on a weekly basis. This is an idea I've had for a while, so I thought it was time to test out the waters and give it a shot. I guess you could consider this a new segment, and it's an experiment for right now. If it's well-received, I may look at doing a couple of these a week and maybe launch it on its own podcast feed if the listeners prefer that. The idea is to have an episode that is short and sweet and pretty A to B so that it's something I can put together rather quickly without much need for editing and other post-production. But I also want to provide something you can listen to and digest quickly at times when you're lacking in free time yourself and just want to get some good information without too much fluff. So let's dig in. I'm going to approach this in a fairly informal way. So let's see. I hope this thing works out. So sticking with the title, I'm going to try to keep these episodes to about 15 minutes, give or take. So I'm actually going to time myself here. Let's see. Let me set myself a little timer. 15 minutes. Oh, there I was on 15 minutes already. So uh, yeah. So when 15 minutes is up, I'll wrap it up and uh, yeah, we'll save it and save content for the next episode. So the first thing I want to talk about is uh, I've mentioned on past episodes, you know, so you want to ride a motorcycle that... Uh, I'm looking at starting doing track days next season, next year. And uh, in preparation for that, you know, I'm, I'm going to need better gear. Um, initially, I'll probably start out just with the Z900 RS, you know, doing track days or um, sessions where they allow street bikes, right? So it, I'm not going to be worried about having a race bike or whatever, but just to kind of test it out, feel the water, see how I like it. Um and so for that, maybe I could get away with some of the gear I have, but even there, just given, you know, the heightened risk and, you know, the, 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 the upper, you know, the chance that something could go wrong and come off the bike or whatever, really probably want better gear than I have. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to kind of play it by ear because, you know, it's kind of test the waters, right? So I don't want to spend a ton of money on new equipment. So maybe I'll upgrade my street gear to something I'd feel comfortable with on the track, but keeping in mind that if I like it as much as I think I'm going to, that I'm going to want to, you know, I'm going to need to invest in track riding gear, you know, a leather track suit and, you know, a, a really good helmet and et cetera. But anyway, so the point is I've been thinking more and more about safety these days and the kind of equipment that's out there, you know, what's the latest, what's the state of the art and technology for motorcycle gear. And so one of the things I've been looking at is helmets. And, uh, you know, so something that's talked about on, you know, other, other, motorcycle podcasts and whatnot and by the way i'll include links for all the things i talk about you know basically i'm going to be looking at articles and things on the internet i'll include the links in the show notes for the podcast for this episode um but yeah so so one of the ones that comes to mind is 60 60 helmets and um mentions actually here this is the 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 homepage for their website it says they've announced the new ATS-1R. It says completely re-engineered for 2019, the 60 ATS-1R climbs to a new level of safety and performance. 
This helmet is the only street helmet on the market featuring 60s patented omnidirectional suspension. So I, I don't know a great, great deal about this yet, something I do want to research. Like I said, if you want to, and, and, and by the way, one of the things I want to do with this 15 minutes of motorcycles is, you know, 15 minutes is not a lot of time to dive into detail on things. But what I kind of want to do is take a bit of a shotgun approach, go over a bunch of things, just make you aware of them. You know, if you already knew about it, fine. You know, I'm not going to talk about it for too long. If you're not familiar with it or you never heard of it, well, then you're introduced to something new. And then if you want to research, you're interested, obviously you can do your own Google searches. But like I said, I'll provide links. But the, the idea with this omnidirectional suspension is that the helmet is designed, and actually Fast Eddie has talked about this. Actually, he bought one, and he rides in one on the street now, uh, and, and when he teaches, instructs you know, motorcycle classes and things like that. So you can check out his video he's on his YouTube channel. He's got a video or two. Um, but, but the basic idea, as I understand it, is it's kind of like a shell within a shell. And they have these kind of, I'm looking at it here, they're yellow and, and red. I don't know the material, some kind of rubbery material. I don't know that it's rubber, some kind of synthetic or whatever. Um, the, these little kind of pillars that sit between the outer shell and the inner shell. And the idea is those pillars give some flex or, or ability of the inner shell to move separately from the outer shell. And evidently, that does a lot to absorb various kinds of impacts to the helmet because, you know, let's say, you know, you go down and you hit your head. If the helmet either catches on something on the ground or even just the fact of, of the violence of a hit or a crash, the inner shell, which is kind of more snugly attached to your head, has some movement apart from the outer shell, both twisting and I think like a little bit side to side, back and back, kind of in, in all three axes of, of motion. And so the idea is there are certain kinds of forces and torques and things that can be attenuated because of this type of technology. So it's definitely something I want to take a look at. Um, you know, when you get into a helmet like this, you're now talking full face helmet, you know, both helmets I have, which are uh, built helmets, you know, which I bought at Cycle Gear, which I happen to like a lot. They've really worked out well. Um, you know, I don't know. I haven't like looked for any crash studies on those particular helmets. You know, they are DOT certified, but of course that's not as good as like the European standards or even Snell certification. You know, if that's something you're not familiar with, check that out. Um, but they are both modular helmets, which I really like. It's really convenient. One, it's very easy to get the helmet on because you just flip the front up, you know, put it over your head, strap it on, and then when you're ready, you flip the, the front down. If I'm at a stoplight, I'm riding with somebody, you know, and I want to talk to them, it's much easier to just kind of flip the helmet up and talk. And, and, and yeah, I'll admit, you know, if you're going to do that, be careful about where you are. You know, I, I don't like to do that if I'm in areas with lots of traffic, like in a busy intersection or something, right? Because the minute you flip the front of your helmet up, you, you know, you're making yourself more vulnerable and you're diminishing the safety of the helmet. So, you know, that's something I sometimes do, but, you know, take that with a grain of salt, decide if that's something you want to do. But certainly, like if I stop for gas, it's 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 convenient and comfortable to be able to get off the bike, flip the helmet up, you know, talk to people, talk to the attendant. You know, there's some places like, for example, uh, places like New Jersey, I believe it's New Jersey. Um, you can't pump your own gas. I'm accustomed in New York to pumping my own gas. There's actually places on Long Island where you can't just to do to local ordinances, pump your own gas. It's just a, a safety thing in certain towns. Anyway, so to talk to the gas attendant or someone I'm riding with, or even, you know, someone comes up and asks questions about the bike, you don't have to pull the helmet off. And, and for me, at least, it's so difficult to talk 
through the front of a helmet. Like you kind of have to yell, and even then they don't hear you that well. And I guess in a way, the better the helmet is and the better the protection, the harder it's going to be for them to hear because it's going to be better better padding and, and whatever. So it's kind of a whatever a catch twenty two or an ironic kind of thing. But anyway, the, the point I was getting to is when you get into these better helmets, then you got to be willing to give up that functionality. Like, you know, 6D does not make a modular helmet. Um, <clears throat> I'm guessing for a couple of reasons. One, maybe because the way this technology works, it's just not practical, but also because, you know, it is I should maybe known or thought, however you want to look at it, um, that, you know, having a flip up in the front, and this kind of makes sense, right? It, it, reduces the integrity of the helmet you know the helmet the shell is not as strong as if you have a full outer shell with a chin bar everything integrated together and again you can google and find videos on that and, and you know see demonstrations of that kind of stuff in fact actually um trying to think who it was i think it was oh bennett's um it, it's it's a it's a british youtube channel it's bennett's insurance i forget exactly i guess they're motorcycle insurance or something but I'll try to include a, a link to that too. In fact, let me just pop open a little notepad here. Let me just write Bennett's video so I don't forget. I'll put the link. Um, but they actually did a really cool episode, and I'll try to include the link for that, uh, where they took an Arai helmet and then another helmet. I forget what it was, Rocks or something like that, ROX, something like that. Um, they took the two helmets, one you know, the Arai considered to be you know kind of expensive, top of the line, and the other one a less expensive helmet. And took a saw, a circular saw, not a circular saw, but like a, yeah, one of those handheld saws with the circular blade and cut the two helmets in half and kind of dissected and pulled them apart and showed, you know, visually and whatever the difference in construction. It was really enlightening. Um, and I suggest you go watch that video. It's not to say Arai is the only option. There's a lot of good helmets out there on the market. You know, I'm not, I'm not promoting or, you know, advertising any particular product. But it was really interesting to see him take even the half of each helmet shell, the outer shell, and compress it in his hands and to see how much flex there was in the less expensive helmet versus in the Arai helmet. So again, all right, so the point I'm getting to is if you're looking at really good protection for your in your helmet, um, modular is not the way to go. So if I were to switch to something like a 6D, and certainly if I'm going to ride on the track, it's got to be a full face helmet. That's just the requirements. You know, that, that's that's track day organizations are not going to let you do track days you know, without a full face helmet. Um, but all right, so that, that's something I'll have to take a look at. But all right, so yeah, that's something you could definitely take a look into is the 6D helmets. Um, I could just kind of take a quick look here. So they have street helmets, they have moto. So like if you're doing off-road, they actually have bicycle helmets. And interestingly, they have youth sizes. So they're making the technology available for younger riders. So that's really cool. And let me even see here if that's a motorcycle. Yes, actually it is. It is like, a, like an off-road type helmet. Um, or an adventure style helmet, you know, with the uh, the peak at the top of the helmet and whatnot, where you wear goggles instead of having a visor. So that's kind of cool. Um, and then there's a link here you can study up on the technology. And of course, they've got videos and stuff. And I'm sure you can find rev other reviews. You know, like I said, Fast Eddie's done one with Moto Jitsu, but I'm sure you could find other reviews out on YouTube and whatnot. So that's 60. Um, another option, if you're not aware of it, is there's another technology called MIPS. Uh, I don't know what it stands for, and maybe I'll look it up, but you can check it out. 
Oh, I have to accept my cookies here. So cookies policy. Whoops, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want the cookies policy. I'm just going to accept the cookies. Um, as far as I know, this technology has been around for quite some time. At least initially it was started, I believe, the company or at least the technology was started like in the 70s. And I believe it was even prior to the app, their application of this to motorcycling. So if you look, they've got products for horseback riding, you know, for question activities, for skiing, for bicycle riding. Uh, so they've applied this technology or the t- technology is being applied to a whole range of products. Um, MIPS is basically a technology. They do not offer any products themselves as far as I know, and I'm just taking a look here. Uh, but what they do is they license the technology to manufacturers. So Bell, for example, has helmets with MIPS and I'm trying to remember who it was, but I know, and so you want to ride a motorcycle, you know, I've interviewed a couple of, uh, motorcycle racers, Moto America racers. Uh, if I remember correctly, Kyle Wyman wears a 60 helmet, uh, but I think it was Braden Ort or someone else I spoke to who wears a helmet with MIPS. I think he's got a, a Bell helmet with MIPS in it. So it, it's something you're seeing more and more in motorcycle racing, Moto America. Uh, I don't know. I think I heard in MotoGP it's even required now. All the all the riders have helmets with this kind of technology. And I'm not sure whether that's MIPS or, or the, the 60 technology or, or something in between. Though, so those are the primary ones I know about. <clears throat> and by the way, one thing I wanted to mention at the beginning of the show, I wanted to use this format, you know, these 15 minutes of motorcycles episodes to interact with you listeners as much as possible. So by all means, if whatever, you want to comment on something I said, either you've got more information to provide or experience with something I'm talking about, or I say something that's incorrect, you know, definitely correct me. Uh, or if you have any questions, like shoot them my way, and then I will take them up and answer them, you know, in the next 15 minutes of motorcycles episode that I do. So that's helmets looks according to my uh, stopwatch here. I've got, <clears throat> sorry, two and a half, about two and a half minutes left. So, uh, Let's move on. So another technology that's really interesting, and I've talked about this with the guys on Throttle Podcast, and I've talked to my podcast a little bit, and that is airbag technology that's being applied in the world of motorcycling. Now, Honda for several years on the Goldwing has had airbags available in in the Goldwing. Um, You know, something, it's an option, but, you know, you can order a Goldwing with basically a dashboard mounted airbag uh, but there are also options that you can wear on your body basically you know as, as an as an item of clothing the earliest ones i heard about and uh, larry larry lanes who's co-host on the throttle podcast uh, actually has one of them a helite vest so you can uh, look at past episodes of uh, or listen to past episodes of throttled um and let me just jump in here quick helite okay so helite moto is their website um, but they've got a variety of products and let me just see here, shop the Helite collection. Um, so they've got, I believe so that there's a vest that you can purchase separately. And in fact, like they have, they've got one in black or if you want high vis, like it's cause these, these are vests you can wear outside your regular motorcycle jacket. Uh, they have one in high vis orange. They have one in high vis yellow. They go for six seventy nine. Uh, the one in black is six fifty nine. But basically, there is basically, I guess it's a CO two cartridge, a replaceable CO two cartridge, at least one, maybe there's two, um, which is installed inside the vest, and there is a tether that goes from the vest to the the motorcycle someplace, you know, 
clip it someplace convenient. If you've ever ridden a jet ski or, or a vehicle like that, you'll know like the same kind of concept of like the, the kill switch on a jet ski, you know, where you've got a coiled lanyard that goes from the handlebars, the ignition, ignition cutoff switch, and then you like hook it on your life vest or something so that if you come off the jet ski, the, the motor stops and it's not going to take off on you. Um, so similar concept here, not that you're worried about the motorcycle taking off on you, but that that's what triggers the mechanism is something happens such that you know, you're thrown enough or you come off the motorcycle and the tether will, you know, basically pull off of your jacket and then that activates the system. And my understanding is that the these vests are easy to service. Some of the other products are not like, but this is user customer serviceable. Like if the airbag goes off, you can just get, you know, get another CO2 cartridge and just replace it yourself. And as long as the vest is not damaged, you're, you're all good to go. Um, but so they've got a, a couple, a couple objects. Oh, there is my alarm. So I'm going to be wrapping this up shortly, but let me finish this, this thing about, uh, airbag technology. So yeah, I'm not going to always stick to 15 minutes, but I'll try to do my best. But uh, they have a number of products. So they have like a, a leather vest. So they've got these these others, which I guess are kind of a textile material. And then they actually sell jackets with the, the Helite vest or airbag technology built into it. So that's something to be aware of also. And those jackets vary in price. They go up to almost $1,100 if you want leather, but they have textile options and both kind of like a street jacket as well as an adventure, like a longer style jacket. Me personally, I would probably do it as a component-based system. If I went with a Helite vest, I would just you know get the separate vest and then choose the jacket that I wanted to have, just like I prefer to do that with uh, heated gear, which actually I'll talk about that in an upcoming, epi- upcoming episode of 15 Minutes, uh, just heated, the heated gear I have and, and using heated gear. So that's Helite. And then recently I was actually listening to a recent episode of Throttle. I actually was not able to join that one. But uh, Tom Potashnik had mentioned what he uses, which is, bear with me one second. Um, it is called, I thought I had a link here, uh, Hit Air, I believe. Hit Air Vest. So let's see. I don't know why I didn't have that. Um, yeah. So it's Hit, well, Hit-Air is the website address. Yeah. So it's Hit-Air Shock Absorbing, oh, Shock Buffering System is what they call it. Um, and so they have... A product, I believe, similar in design to the Helite, and they also show here like a mesh jacket, a ventilated jacket, um, then they say airbag mesh jacket, so maybe you can get the jacket separate from the airbag, which would be interesting because then you could have different types of jackets you know, with one airbag that you move from one to the other. But they have a mesh vest, a waterproof winter jacket, Enduro model ventilation jackets, like longer kind of more adventure style jackets. So they have a selection as well. And then let's see if there's any pricing here. They list distributors, so it looks like... Well, let's just look at the vest. See if they have a price. No, so it looks like... I, I guess you have to go to one of their distributor websites to get the actual price. But as far as I know, it's a similar system to the to the Helite where there's a tether that connects you to the motorcycle, um, and then that's what controls the... Uh, firing the mechanism to activate the jacket. It also has a CO2 cartridge that looks to be easily replaceable. Um, Then they're showing here that they've got like reflective panels on the jackets and stuff. Now this one's interesting. They're showing actually here, one of the images, it's actually got a fairly big um, 
neck roll or neck collar that actually looks it would do like a really good job of protecting your head from going back like in a whiplash kind of fashion uh, but even looks like it provides some protection over the collarbone because I know that's a common injury in motorcycle wrecks so kind of shul- shoulder and collarbone and then they're showing it looks like the bag on the back and the way it's designed it's kind of like a tube and you have to go see the picture to check this out but it, it's kind of like a tube that's like an upside down W, I guess. So it kind of goes up, comes down, looks like it protects the lower back, maybe even possibly the tailbone, uh, then comes up and goes down, you know, the other side of the back. Uh, it does not show much in the way of chest protection. And on the Helite, I don't know. Let's take a look quick there. See if they have something with the technology. Maybe they've got a similar picture. Um, so they... Don't have the W, but they've got a similar approach, actually. So they have their standard airbag where there's kind of pieces at the sides, like your waist, that go up, two tubes that go up the back and then across the back of the neck. So it is not as much neck protection and, and it looks like no collarbone protection the way you have with the hit air. But then they also have a model called the Turtle. That ha- It's actually kind of funny that the model, the graphic they have, it kind of person looks like a turtle because there's a kind of a turtle shell shaped inflatable piece on the back. Um, but it does look like the, the, the vest inflates in the front of the body as well. So again, you could uh, go to the website. Yes. So the, there's basically a tube. Oh, so I stand corrected. So the tube goes up the back and then over the shoulder and down the front and then around, you know, to the back. So it kind of looks like a closed loop there. So there is protection in the front and it does look like there is collarbone protection, shoulder protection. There just looks to me like not quite as much back of the head, you know, kind of a whiplash protection as with the hit air. But so that's kind of interesting. And then uh, the other thing to definitely be aware of, and it's a slightly different technology, more sophisticated and of course, therefore more expensive, but there are also uh, airbag systems that automatically deploy. So Dionese has their D-Air system, and then Alpenstars has their Tech Air airbag system. Um, the thing about these, um, the, the, the Alpenstars Tech Air system is actually used in MotoGP, and it's, it's required now. Like this technology is required for the riders uh, to protect them in the case of crashes. And if you watch any motorcycle racing MotoGP, you'll know that these guys sometimes have some wicked crashes. And part of their ability to walk away either uninjured or relatively uninjured is having this technology in their race suits. Of course, they've got good helmets and they're physically fit and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I know at one time on Throttle we had talked about this, that there was a lawsuit. I forget who was suing who, but between Dionese and Tech Air over, I guess, the patents and the technology and whatever, one felt the other was infringing. I'm not sure what happened with that, but might be something to look into before you invest in one system or the other. Although I tend to think whatever, if it hasn't been resolved already, it will be somehow at a court and they'll you know work out a settlement or something because... This technology is too important to have something like that interfere with riders getting access to it. And, you know, nobody wants, at least I don't want to see a monopoly and you want to do, you know, the more competition there is, the more manufacturers, the better the technology gets and the faster it evolves. So hopefully that whatever that problem was has been resolved. Uh, But what's different about these systems is that they have intelligence in them. So there's a microprocessor chip. And I guess what amounts to an IMU or an inertial management unit that basically detects the motion of the jacket and therefore the rider. And so 
basically the system automatically deploys when the intelligence, the programming built into the garment, the vest or the jacket or whatever, senses that the rider is in an accident, it deploys. Uh, and I'm guessing that's fairly sophisticated, and I'm sure it's been thoroughly, thoroughly tested. I have not heard of one of these going off when it shouldn't. That's, of course, a possibility. Um, and you could argue the merits of this versus like the Helite and the hit air approaches. Um, you know, when things are automatic and computer controlled, sometimes they go wrong. You know, something wasn't programmed properly or whatever. So, you know, there's the possibility, I guess, that these systems might not deploy, whereas on with the, like, if you've got a tether to the motorcycle, you know, you come off the motorcycle, the thing's going to deploy. It's, it's a much simpler system. Uh, but then again, you know, there could be situations, accidents you're in, where you don't come off the motorcycle or not sufficiently to, to yank the tether so that, you know, that kind of vest doesn't deploy, but just due to rapid deceleration or torsional forces or whatever that these more sophisticated, you know, garments might deploy. So I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. I, I'm not aware of any research that's been done on those yet, but it would be interesting to check out. Yeah, so that's on those. So um, one of them, I believe it is Dionese. Let me just see if they have. So they've also got models for motorbike, winter sports, bicycle, equestrian, etc. So that's a common thing, obviously. Motorbike, let's see. They have leather suits, jackets, I believe they had uh, something called the Smart Vest. I'm pretty sure it was Dionese, not Alpenstars. Uh, uh, sorry, it's called a Smart Jacket, but it basically looks like a vest, um, whereas the other systems, you can like buy a Dionese jacket or like a full full leather suit with the technology built into it. And what is cool is with both Tech Air, uh, I'm sorry, with both Alpenstars and Dionese, um, you know, you can buy a suit that's that's ready to have the, the airbag stuff put into it. it. It doesn't come with it, right? So if you're kind of on a budget, quote unquote, you know, this stuff is not inexpensive, of course, because you're, you're talking about top of the line gear here. But the, the idea is that you could invest in the suit, like the track suit or whatever, and have that protection of whatever is built in in, the, in terms of armor and the leather and the quality of the suit and the and the, the fit and the, the construction and whatever. But then when you've got the money, you could then upgrade. You know, you can buy the airbag protection and add that into the jacket. The jacket's already set up for it. Or the, the suit or the jacket's already set up for it. So that's kind of a cool thing. So uh, I thought actually I was going to be able to cover more, but I think that's pretty good. Um, we're a little past. What are we at here? My audacity is saying about 26 minutes. So that's not too bad. So maybe I'm going to have to call this 30 minutes of motorcycles. But anyway, so I'm going to kind of wrap this up. I've got definitely more things to talk about next time. I hope you enjoyed this, but uh, definitely shoot me an email and let me know. You can uh, contact me at so you want to ride at yahoo.com. And then in the podcast episode notes um, is all my contact information. You can also go to soyouwantaride.com that has all of my podcast episodes and my contact information. So definitely let me know what you think. Let me know if this was helpful and any topics you'd like to hear about. Um, as much as possible, I'm going to try to keep this fairly up to date and topical like well, actually, I think it's going to be a combination. So some will be, hey, what's going on in the news? What's the latest cool stuff going on? But I also do want these episodes to not be too time sensitive. You know, so I, I want to have people could go back to one of these episodes. And it's not like all news that's old, nobody cares about anymore. But there's some content and things 
in there that's still useful that they could just kind of listen to and absorb in 15 minutes, you know, on a, on a short commute or making breakfast or whatever it happens to be. So yeah, let me know what, what you think. Should it be 15 minutes? Should it be a half an hour? I definitely don't want to go longer than that, but you know, I want to hear what you got to say and, uh, yeah, let me know how you liked it. And, uh, all right, everybody. Until the next one, which maybe will be next week. Maybe it's a maybe it's a couple days. But uh, I guess I should probably come up with a new ending for this because I've got one for for my "So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle" episodes. Um, so for now, let's just say uh, enjoy your riding and ride safe. Good night.